And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's November 22nd, 326th day of the year. 39 days remain till the year's over with. Holidays and observances. Well, there we go. National Cranberry Relish Day. Go for a ride day. National Jukebox Day. National Taiwan On Day. Drinksgiving. National Game and Puzzle Week. National Deal Week. Everybody's out buying. Road Safety Week. Lung Cancer Awareness Month. National Children's Month, World Vegan Month, National Peanut Butter Lovers Month, Movember, National Epilepsy Awareness Month, National Native American Heritage Month, Manatee Awareness Month, National Native uh, National Pomegranate Month, National Novel Writing Month, and National Adoption Month. All right, with. In 498 A.D., after the death of Anastasius II, Symmachus is elected Pope in the Lateran, uh, Lateran uh, Palace, while uh, Laurentius is elected Pope in uh, Santa Maria Maggiore. Dueling Popes, I guess you could say. 845, the first Duke of Brittany, Domino, defeats the Frankish King Charles the Bald at the Battle of Ballon near Redon. 1307, Pope Clement V issues the Papal Bull, Pastorius Permanente, which instructs all Christian monarchs in Europe to assist to arrest all Templars and seize their assets. The, pre, um, the previous Pope had been very pro-Templar, and uh, Philip the Fair of France, according to the story, had him... Uh, removed um, the French king uh, was a time of unrest and at several points he had to take um, he had to go hide with the Templars in their uh, headquarters there in uh, Paris and he saw their treasure and he wanted it because he owed them money so he worked it out with the new pope they outlawed the Templars, arrested them, and he and his men went to seize the treasury, and it was gone, as was the Templar fleet at New Rochelle. That treasure's never been found. Okay, 1574, Spanish navigator Juan Fernandez discovers islands now known as the Juan Fernandez Islands off of Chile. 1635. Dutch colonial forces on uh, Taiwan launch a pacification campaign against native villages, resulting in Dutch control of the middle and the south of the island. 1718, Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard attacks and boards the vessels of the British pirate uh, Edward Teach, better known as Blackbeard, off the coast of North Carolina. Uh, the casualties on both sides include Maynard's first officer, Mr. Hyde, as well as Blackbeard himself. Interesting news just in, except for what I think it is, Fulton County, Georgia, DA, acknowledges that 3,600 ballots from the 2020 election were duplicated. Uh, now the discrepancy has been turned over to the Georgia Attorney General for investigation. In other words, as former President Trump has said, there were issues with the 2020 election in literally almost every state. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, one reason that he is being uh, prosecuted so hot and heavy is to try to keep him from running for re-election. Um, they've filed suit after suit after suit to try to take him off the ballot in various states, and they, they haven't worked. So we shall... Uh, See, 
what the story is. The uh, new records have come to light that President Biden had his personal lawyer send a FedEx driver to the Penn Biden Center to pick up boxes of White House documents on November 2nd, 2022, the day before the National Archives arrived. Uh, at the Senate to retrieve classified White House documents that were, shall we say, discovered there. So the same things that they are after President Trump, for, former President Trump for, um, President Biden did as well. But with former President Trump, it's considered a crime. With the current president, uh, it's just an oversight. All right. 1837, Canadian journalist and politician William Lyon Mackenzie called for rebellion against the UK in his essay to the people of Upper Canada. That was published in a newspaper he owned uh, called The Constitution. 1855, in Birmingham, England, Albert, Prince Consort, lays the foundation stone of the Birmingham and Midland Institute. 1869, in Dumbarton, Scotland, the clipper Cuddy Sark is launched. 1873, the French steamer SS Ville de Havre sinks in 12 minutes after colliding with the Scottish iron clipper Loch Erne. In the Atlantic, 226 people died in that uh, accident. 1908, the Congress of Manasseh establishes the Albanian alphabet. 1921, during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, from 1920 to 22, 22 Irish nationalists are killed in Belfast in one day. 1835, the China Clipper inaugurates the first commercial Trans-Pacific Air Service, connecting Alameda, California with Manila. 1940, World War II. Following the initial Italian invasion, Greek troops counterattack into Italian-occupied Albania and capture Karitsa. 1942. World War II, Battle of Stalingrad. General Friedrich Paulus sends Adolf Hitler a telegram saying the German Sixth Army is surrounded. 1943, World War II, Cairo Conference. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, and Chinese Premier Chiang Kai-shek meet in Cairo, Egypt to discuss ways to defeat Japan. 1943, Lebanon gains independence from France, nearly two years after it was first announced by the Free French Government. 1955, Soviet Union launches RDS-37, a 1.6-megaton two-stage hydrogen bomb designed by Andrei Sakharov. The bomb was dropped over Semipalatniks. 1963, President John F. Kennedy is assassinated and Texas Governor John Conley wounded by Lee Harvey Oswald, who also killed Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett after fleeing the scene. U.S. President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, is sworn in as the 36th President of the United States. We're going to be talking about that today. That's what our show is about. 1963, five Indian generals are killed in a helicopter crash due to collision with two parallel lines of telegraph cables. 1967, U.N. Security Council Resolution 242 is adopted, establishing a set of principles aimed at guiding negotiations for an Arab-Israeli peace settlement. Hasn't really worked well, has it, guys? 1971, in Britain's most worst mountaineering tragedy, the Cairngorm Plateau disaster, five children and one of their leaders are found dead from exposure in the Scottish mountains. 1975, Juan Carlos is declared King of Spain after the death of Francisco Franco. Juan Carlos was a distant cousin of mine. 1990, British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher withdraws from the Conservative Party leadership election, confirming the end of her prime ministership. 2003, Baghdad DHL attempted uh, shoot-down incident. She only have to take off a DHL Express cargo plane that struck on the left wing by a surface air missile and forced to land. 2004, the Orange Revolution begins in Ukraine, resulting from the presidential elections. The Orange Revolution was a series of protests and political events that took place in Ukraine from November 2004 to January 2005. 
It was in the immediate aftermath of a runoff vote in the 2004 Ukrainian presidential election, which was uh, be marred by massive corruption, voter intimidation, electoral fraud. Kiev, the uh, Ukrainian capital, was the focal point of 2022, a shooting at a Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia, leaves seven workers dead, including the shooter, and four others injured. Well, it's uh, interesting to note that um, now this has been a very well-remembered day in American history. It was November 22nd, 1963, when John F. Kennedy, the 35th President of the United States, while riding in a presidential motorcade through Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas, was assassinated. Now, Kennedy was in the vehicle with his wife, Jacqueline Kennedy, Texas Governor John Conley, and Conley's wife, Nellie, and he was fatally shot from the school book depository. Now, history records the assassin was a former Marine, Lee Harvey Oswald, however, never indicted, never even charged. The, uh, and there's a lot of things that have come to light that call into question everything the Warren Commission said. Now, supposedly, after the assassination, Police officers who had been with the motorcade stormed into the Texas Book Depository. Now, the shooting supposedly came from the sixth floor of that building. And as the officers entered the building, they found Oswald sitting in the break room drinking a soda, not out of breath, not looking flustered as you would have if you just uh, shot somebody from uh, a sniper's post. When they got to the sixth floor, they didn't find anybody. The weapon that was found and photographed is not the weapon that was um, went to the archives. The Manlicker uh, Carncano rifle um, was an Italian weapon. Now, it was an Italian military weapon. It was outdated when it was issued. And... The speed at which the rounds were sent down range was far beyond uh, anything but the, an unbelievably expert marksman could have done. And Oswald was not an expert marksman. Now, Oswald left the book depository and went home. And according to his landlady, a police car pulled up out front, honked a horn, drove off, and Oswald left. Um, and according to uh, the Warren Commission, he encountered Officer J.D. Tippett, shot him, even though the individual that did it did not match Oswald's description, according to witnesses that were there. See, the uh, John Conley uh, apparently had a game plan given to him by Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, and Oswald was... Well, he was a he he was a ready-made fall guy. He had been a, um, as I said, he'd been a former marine. He also um, defected to Russia, and then came back with a Russian wife, whose father was a senior person in the KGB. Um. I've been doing this show for going on well over 30 years. And I had an individual call me when I was doing it out of Anaheim, California. And he said, did I have the nerve to um, tell his story? I said, I'll tell anybody's story. I don't care. He had been a contract CIA agent. CIA has quite a lot of people that they call contract agents are not full-time. They're called in as needed. And this gentleman 
told a very interesting story on a tape. And everything that's I checked, I could verify. And he was sent to Dallas to clean up after the assassination. But he had a what he called the preamble to the assassination, and I thought was quite interesting. He said that um, it wasn't well known, but apparently prior to going to Russia, Oswald um, had um, played for both teams, so to speak, and he had a, um, a boyfriend, and the CIA knew about it, and gave the the agent that they uh, sent in the information he uh, to contact the boyfriend and take him to the airport when Oswald was coming back because they were concerned that uh, the Oswald that came back may not have been the Oswald that went. And he said uh, the the boyfriend. Uh, Looked puzzled when he saw Oswald. Said he looks a little different. And he called him by a pet name that he'd always called him, and he didn't respond. So it became evident, at least to the agent, that the Oswald that got off the plane was not the Oswald that went to Russia. And after the assassination... You just assassinated the President of the United States. What's the first thing you do? You go to the movies, which is what Oswald did. Now, on the police radio, before anybody knew who had shot the President, a message came calling all cars to come to the theater now, the theater manager had called the police because he said a man went in without buying a ticket. You're looking for the assassin of the president, so you divert cars to the theater about somebody sneaking in without buying a ticket. And according to the radio message, the president's assassin was at the movies. And this is before anybody knew, had any idea who had shot the president. So the police stormed into the theater. Oswald, who had picked up a pistol while he was home, pulled it out. And rather than shoot him, the police just piled on him, disarmed him. Turned out the pistol didn't even have a firing pin. Had he pulled the trigger, he'd have been cut into tiny little Oswald giblets. There were so many officers there. But he maintained right up until he was shot that he was a patsy, that he was being set up. The uh, it was about an hour and a half after uh, Kennedy and Conley was shot that uh, Oswald was arrested by the Dallas police and he was initially charged for the mur- with the murders of Kennedy and Tippett. Now, there was absolutely no evidence, not even eyewitness testimony that he shot Tippett. And he was questioned the rest of the 22nd, all the 23rd, and then in 1121, on November 24th, uh, they were going to move him um, from police headquarters to a holding facility. Now, as they walked him through the basement of the Dallas Police Headquarters, supposedly one of the most secure places in town, man walks up to him, pulls a gun, and shoots him. That was Jack Ruby. 
um, Dallas nightclub operator, uh, mafia bag man. Now it turned out, now this was all put out by the Warren Commission after a 10-month investigation. Uh, the Warren Commission concluded Oswald did assassinate Kennedy, and there was absolutely no evidence of a conspiracy. Well, it turns out that there was a lot of uh, threatening of witnesses. A lot of witness testimony wasn't reported by the uh, uh, Warren Commission. They had their decision, they had their killer, and he was dead, and he couldn't deny it, so game over. Well, four years later, New Orleans DA Jim Garrison, who was not on the team, so to speak, brought the only trial for murder of Kennedy against businessman Clay Shaw. And Clay Shaw was acquitted primarily because the witnesses against him kept dying. Turns out that Oswald was part of a, a group of people. Um, the group was apparently based out of um, New Orleans. And they were involved in all kinds of stuff. Um, now, the Rockefeller Commission and the church committees, two uh, subsequent federal investigations, um, generally agreed with the uh, Warren Commission's general findings because nobody wanted to open up the can of worms um, that would result from the determination that president was killed as a result of a conspiracy. 1979, United States House Select Committee on Assassination concluded Kennedy was in fact assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. Now they didn't identify the possible conspirators, but uh, they concluded there was a high probability two gunmen fired at the president. Now witnesses um had actually reported men on the grassy knoll behind the fence firing at the president. Nobody investigated the invest uh, the uh, those allegations, and the main witness had a one-car accident. A lot of one-car accidents took place in this uh, investigation. You have to remember some highly placed people because it was the murder of the president went on record uh, confirming it was Oswald. If in fact, as many have said, um, it was a conspiracy, they'd have had major egg on their face. Now, in the aftermath of the assassination, there were, let me see, make sure I have the number correct. Now, beginning with the deaths of President Kennedy and Officer Tippett and Oswald himself, that began a series of deaths that, uh, by no stretch of the imagination could be considered uh, normal. You had Dorothy Kilgallen, nationally famous reporter who interviewed the only person to allow to interview Jack Ruby in prison. She came back and told her editor she's going to blow the lid off the Kennedy assassination. She died of unexplained causes. She had given a copy of her notes to her... Uh, best friend and sometime assistant. The best friend and sometime assistant died. 
and the notes vanished. Um, Gary Underhill, a um, intelligence professional, uh, went to a friend's home in fear of his life the night after the assassination. He was carrying on about the CIA as Southeast Asian drug traffickers having killed the president. Allegedly, he committed suicide a few days later. Railroad worker who saw a report, uh, shooter on the grassy knoll. He's the one that had the one-car accident that I mentioned. Um, Ruby ran a strip club called the Carousel Club. And a number of his uh, dancers reported he and Oswald were good friends. You know, several of those uh, died mysteriously. Sheriff's deputies who talked too much about what they saw died on duty or committed suicide. A witness who saw men other than Oswald leaving the Texas School Book Depository after the shooting got uh, several telephone uh, threats and had several attempts on his life. And then there was the Pitzer case. Lieutenant Commander Pitzer at the Kennedy autopsy took photos and died under very mysterious circumstances. And even President Kennedy's favorite mistress, Mary Pinchot Meyer, her husband was Cord Meyer, who was a CIA agent, um, was assassinated. It was done in such a professional manner that one CIA insider said it had all the markings of an in-house rub-out. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, um, there were somewhere over a um, hundred related deaths. In fact, um, out of 1,400 potential witnesses, uh, over 70 died unnatural deaths. The, uh, and the probability of that happening in the natural course is 714 million trillion trillion to one. There's, uh, when you go through and you look, and that 70 was just the initial body count. Six high-level FBI agents, all connected to the investigation of the Kennedy assassination, died within a six-month period in 1977 right when they were supposed to testify before the Congressional Committee about their investigation. Now, it was James Bond who said once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. How about six? Just of FBI uh, agents alone. Now, sometimes deaths from the complications from surgery are actually assassinations. Uh, one high-level professional assassin by the name of Joe Shaman said late in his life to his daughter, people are eliminated. You don't know how many people are just eliminated just on the operating table alone. And several of the conveniently timed Kennedy-related deaths, such as a uh, William Harvey were from uh, post-surgery complications. That, uh, at the very least, is a possibility that has to be considered. Um, you combine that with the fact that while Bill Harvey, as he was known, was in charge of hiring assassins for a deep-cover ZR rifle project and was removed from that position by the Kennedys, he despised him. And you can certainly see he had adequate reason to... Uh, Want them removed? Now, whether or not the U.S. intelligence community had the capability to make assassinations appear to be from natural causes, such as heart attacks or cancer, um, 
subsequent investigation showed that the CIA had a heart attack gun and one of the projects Oswald was associated with in New Orleans had to do with a fast-acting cancer. Um, Dr. Mary's Monkey is a very fascinating book that talks about um, that project. And research regarding the feasibility of medical assassinations is frankly shocking. Turns out that uh, many viewers, what many view as marginal capabilities are actually quite real. Such as inducing heart attacks, as I said, there's a heart attack gun, or causing cancer in a victim. And in reality, these are capabilities based on valid existing science. CIA's had the capability of inducing heart attacks for many years, and it's considered very concrete technology in the world of the professional assassin. And so not only is it possible, but they've had that ability for a long time, and it's been worked on with tremendous emphasis. CIA technicians actually testified to Congress about uh, what was called TWERP, T-W-E-P, Terminate with Extreme Prejudiced Weapons. Now, many of these weapons were the result of the CIA's active pursuit of finding ways to kill people. It wouldn't look like murder and would leave no post-mortem residue. According to one memo, um... The uh, gross divisions um, in presenting this subject might be, one, bodies left with no hope of the cause of death being determined by the most complete autopsy and chemical examinations, or two, bodies left in such circumstances as to simulate accidental death, or three, bodies left in such circumstances as to simulate suicidal death, or four, bodies left with residue that simulate those caused by natural death, so, you know, the CIA went into great detail to plan for these um, untraceable assassinations. You might say this was your tax dollars at work, killing people without trial at a crime scene near you that wouldn't even look like there was any funny, funny business involved. In fact, a U.S. intelligence examiner named Fred Burks of Berkeley, California, investigated whether the CIA was capable of inducing heart attacks as a method of assassination, and based on the evidence, found they had had that capability for decades. Well, during the church committee uh, testimonies, CIA Director Colby testified to Senator Church the heart attack gun exists. It fires a dart. Keep in mind, if you will, that when you look at the number of assassinations, it's gotten to the point we pretty much accept it as old hat, so to speak. I've got a list of 50 deaths related to President Kennedy's assassination. And that's just one source I have available. We got J.D. Tippett, uh, died of gunshot wounds. Now, after the assassination, before anybody knew who the assassin was, Oswald's description was being broadcast on the police radio. Nobody wanted to admit who gave that to the uh, to be put out over the radio. Now, when Tippett was killed, one thing that wasn't bandied about widely is he was out of his assigned patrol area. And it was reported he was acting in an extremely erratic manner. Some said he looked almost frantic. Um, he wasn't anywhere near where he was directed to be after the assassination. Even lied about his whereabouts when asked his exact location by the police dispatch. 
And as I said earlier, minutes after the assassination of the president, Dallas police car pulled up and stopped in front of Oswald's apartment window, honked twice, and drove off. Right after that police car uh, honked its horn and drove off, Oswald left his apartment. And if it was actually a real Dallas police car, the only car in that area was Tippett's. And the suspect that Tippett stopped didn't match even the very broad description of the president's assailant broadcast on the police radio. And according to witnesses, Tippett conversed very amiably with the, the suspect for about a minute. People who saw him interacting thought they were friends. Um, and due to the timing issue, it was virtually impossible Oswald could have been in the location where Tippett stopped the suspect at the time the incident took place. If you time it from when he left his apartment to when Tippett was shot, just wasn't enough time for Oswald to be the one that did it. And officers at the scene described the murder weapon at the Tippett crime scene as being an automatic. When Oswald was captured, he had a revolver. Officers also found a wallet at the Tippett crime scene containing IDs with the name Lee Harvey Oswald and Alec Haddell. That was a what was known as a floating alias used by military intelligence covert operatives at the time. Now, you're an assassin. You just shot a police officer. You're going to leave your wallet? The great majority of eyewitnesses to Tippett's uh, shooting said... Uh, Officer Tippett's assailant looked nothing like Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, witness testimony didn't fit the uh, official version that Oswald shot Tippett was um, ignored by investigators. Witnesses were threatened, intimidated, in some cases even shot at to get him to either change their testimony or just shut the hell up. Now, Folks tend to forget that the first mysterious death associated with the Kennedy assassination was actually Tippett's, which occurred very shortly after the shots were fired at Kennedy. He's one of the few Dallas police officers not assigned to the area of the president's motorcade. He's patrolling the Elk Cliff section of Dallas, according to his orders for the day. And shortly after 1 p.m., Tippett, alone in his patrol car, was seen stopping his car near an individual who was walking along East 10th Street. And the witnesses who were nearby who could see what was happening said there didn't seem to be any trouble. Now, at some point, that amiable situation turned um, anything but amiable. Tippett drew his weapon or they thought he drew his weapon, but when he got out of the car, he didn't have a weapon in his hand. He didn't direct the individual to adopt a less casual position. He didn't tell him to put his hands on the car and put your feet back and spread them. At that point, Tippett got out of the car, began walking toward the front of his squad car, toward the man on the other side, with his hand uh, placed on the butt of his gun. And before Tippett even got to the front of his own car, because... Tippett was on the driver's side. The man he was talking to was on the passenger side, outside the car. Before Tippett got to the front of the car, the other, the gentleman who had, he had been talking with pulled a gun and shot him. And then walked around to the back of the car and fired a four-shot directly into Tippett's head. Suspect appeared to be professional and calm, uh, calm and confident. Walked away. Picked up the shells uh, ejected by the automatic. Threw him in the bushes like there was, they didn't amount to anything. Now, of course, police investigators did not search for the shells. According to the commission's report, though, Tippett was a fine, dedicated officer driving his patrol car when he saw a man who looked like the description he'd been given of the president's assassin. Everything came back to the 
the story that everybody had to um, comply with. Well, now the interesting thing about the Tippett uh, death is there was never any thorough investigation. It was decided it was Oswald, and Oswald's the only one they'd look for. Now, a number of um, the official version of Tippett's murder really doesn't stand, stand up to any thorough scrutiny. If Oswald had been tried for the murder of Officer Tippett, the eyewitness testimony against him would have been destroyed under any competent cross-examination. The commission's star witness in the case, uh, Helen Markham, contradicted herself, made false statements, not to mention the fact she initially described the killer in terms that did not resemble Oswald. She's one of those threatening and changing her testimony. Even the Warren Commission's own senior counsel had admitted their star witness had zero credibility. Now, Joseph Ball, who was the senior counsel at the Warren Commissioner, Commission in 1964, uh, referred to the public in a public debate to her testimony being full of mistakes and to Ms. Markham herself as being an utter screwball. He dismissed her publicly as being utterly unreliable, the exact opposite of the, how she was described in the uh, report's uh, verdict. Now, unlike Helen Markham, Aquila Clemens and Frank Wright were two other witnesses and very credible who had excellent views of the crime. Ms. Clemens was sitting on her front porch when she saw the murder of Officer Tibbet. Um, afterwards, she claimed that uh, there were two men involved in the attack on Tibbet. She said the, the gunman was a short guy, kind of heavy. And the Dallas police told her not to repeat this story to others or she might get hurt. She wouldn't even call to give evidence to the Warren Commission. Ms. Cleveland Clemens, who was in a house close to the spot where Tippett was killed, told independent investigators she saw two men just before the shooting. Said she ran out after the shots and saw a man with a gun. And None of her descriptions matched Oswald. She should have been questioned more thoroughly than in a television interview. Said she'd been visited by the FBI who decided not to take a statement because of her poor health. She had diabetes. Hard to condition to deter efficient investigators from taking a statement. Now, she was an excellent witness who was certain of what she saw and described um, was accurate. Her video statement is still available. Frankly, it's online. The fact the testimony of a high-quality witness like Aquila Clemens was completely ignored by the Warren Commission is another indication the commission actually sought to close the case, not to investigate it. Frank Wright was another eyewitness whose testimony was intentionally ignored. He lived up the street from the spot where Tippett was killed and heard the shots as he sat in his living room. When his wife telephoned for help, he went straight to his front door. He told researchers, I was the first person out and caught sight of Tippett in time to see him roll over once and lie still. He said, I saw a man standing in front of the car, and he was looking toward the man on the ground. I couldn't tell who the man, on the, um, who the man was on the ground. The man who was standing in front of him was about medium height, had on a long coat, ended just above his hands. Didn't see a gun. He ran around to the passenger side of the police car. He ran around as fast as he could and got in his own car and drove away as fast as he could. After that, a whole lot of police came. I tried to tell two or three people what I saw, and they didn't want to pay any attention. I've seen it come out on TV and newspaper, but I know that's not what happened. I know a man drove off in a gray car, and nothing in the world is going to change my testimony. Eyewitness testimony also revealed that whoever Tippett's killer was, he was walking toward the police car, not away from it as Oswald would have been if he was walking toward the movie theater from his rooming house at the Warren Commission, uh, as the Warren Commission indicated. A cab driver named Warren Scroggins was an eyewitness, testified the gunman was walking west toward uh, Tippett's car prior to the shooting. 
Another witness named Jim Bird reported the same thing. Reports from the Dallas police, as well as the first reports of the Secret Service, reflect the same impression. Despite the preponderance of evidence that the killer and Tippett's car were moving toward each other, one report concluded the killer was walking in the opposite direction. The commission version had uh, Tippett's car overtake the pedestrian killer. Warren Commission did not want to report the truth because that would have blown their scenario out of the water. Now, witnesses who were clearly intimidated by authorities into changing their testimony included Aquila Clemens and Warren Reynolds and Domingo Benavides. Warren Reynolds did not see the shooting but saw the gunman running from the scene of the crime. And he claimed very clearly the man was not Oswald. After he survived an attempt to kill him, he changed his mind and said Oswald was the man he had seen. Domingo Benavides changed his testimony after his brother was murdered. Benavides, a dark, slim auto mechanic, was a witness to the murder of Officer Tippett, who testified he got a good view of the slayer. He wasn't asked to see the police lineup in which Oswald appeared, and although he later said the killer resembled newspaper pictures of Oswald, he described the man differently. He said, I remember the back of his head seemed like his hairline sort of went square instead of tapering off. Kind of went down and squared off and made his head look flat in the back. He reported later he'd been threatened repeatedly by the police and advised not to talk about what he saw. That's not the actions of a law enforcement organization that wants to find the killer of one of their own. After his brother was shot in the back of his head and killed, Domingo told authorities what they wanted to hear and and there's also a suspicious break in the evidentiary chain. Officer J.M. Poe marked two of the empty shells found at the crime scene with his initials. That's a standard chain of evidence procedure, but none of the shells produced by the FBI and the Dallas Police as evidence of Oswald's guilt had Poe's markings on them. The uh, Warren Commission uh, investigators claimed that Poe was mistaken. Poe initially told the Secret Service he was positive he'd marked the shells, even under tough questioning from the Warren Commission, he said he believed he had marked the shells. In fact, one of Poe's superior officers testified he told Poe to mark the shells. Yet the Warren Commission ignored the obvious and concentrated on what was necessary in order to convict the assigned individual in the public mind to keep the lid on the cover-up for reasons of national security. As far as the witnesses didn't support the Oswald did it scenario, they weren't even talked to. In fact, the witnesses that reported the gunman was somebody other than Oswald were never called before the Warren Commission, and several were told to keep their mouth shut about what they'd seen. Now, does that show any intent to seriously investigate the death of Officer Tippett? Jim Garrison arrived at the conclusion that the murder of Officer Tippett was a component of the plan to kill the Patsy and wipe out the evidence trail. He said the reason for Officer Tippett's murder is simply this. It was necessary for them to get rid of the decoy in the case, Lee Oswald, and order to get rid of him. So he had later described the people involved in this. Uh, they had what I think was a rather clever plan. It's well known that police officers react violently to the murder of a police officer. And all they did was arrange for an officer to be sent out to 10th Street when Officer Tippett arrived where he was murdered, and that's why he was killed. After he was murdered, Oswald was pointed to sitting in the back of the Texas theater where he'd been told to wait. And rather than kill him, as it was the plan, the officers actually arrested him. And this created a problem because if Lee Oswald stayed alive long enough, he, wasn't, he was going to name names and talk about the thing he'd been drawn into. So they had to kill him. And that led to um, Jack Ruby being ordered to take out Oswald. He was allowed to walk into the basement without being searched. He carried a gun. He shot Oswald. Now, let's face it, folks. Officers who are highly trained, as the Dallas Police Department's supposed to be highly trained, the moment he pulled a gun, Ruby should have been gang, uh, gang attacked. I mean, you just stand around and watch him? I don't think so. 
First responders are taught to react immediately. Well, this is the first installment I'm doing on the murder of uh, President Kennedy. I remember the day it happened. I was 10 years old. I was sitting on the floor reading at my grandmother's house when it came on the air. And even at 10 years old, I knew something wasn't right. And the more research I've done, and I put together um, information to do a book on the Kennedy assassination. But as part of that, I discovered evidence of a conspiracy that has been involved in a number of high-profile deaths. And I'm going to come out with the entire series. Well, until tomorrow, well, no, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I'm not doing a show tomorrow. This will be the first holiday I've taken since I started doing this show. But on Friday, we'll be talking about some of the uh, evidence that it was, in fact, a conspiracy. Uh, I've had a number of of um, investigators I've gotten to know over the years that were peripherally involved in the Kennedy assassination investigation who said very clearly there wasn't enough evidence to even indict Lee Harvey Oswald. But if he's dead, it's easy to have history indict him. So until Friday, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great Thanksgiving. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.